would never miss an opportunity to race Iceman. Um, because like I realized it more this year, I think. Um, Michigan's just different, right? Like the the people uh, the people show up. Like it doesn't matter what it's what it's like there. They can be raining and be frigid cold. Like as long as you got beer flowing, like there will be people there. Um, it's just such a cool finishing environment uh, for that to be like in my home state and one of the best finishing races, like with supporters, to be in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people have seen the the video of Orshaw washing out. And then Lesperance, like he came in, like Mario Kart hit the banana peel, and then I did the same thing. Uh, and so yeah, three of us in the top ten all 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 crashed on that last corner. KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and on this episode, the favorite end of the season mountain bike race, the Iceman Cometh Challenge 2023. Iceman is so special and beloved by so many of us, and, uh, whether you are a local, an out-of-towner, an amateur, a pro, a racer, a spectator, Iceman has something for everyone and continues to give year after year. This year was no exception. If you were there, we saw beautiful weather, nice man conditions, a third win for the champ, Alexi Vermeulen, and a newly crowned Ice Queen with a win from Deanna Males. A huge congrats congrats to you both. For this year's episode, I wanted to share a few different perspectives of the race, of the experience of Iceman. Uh, first, from Michigan's favorite Paige Onweller, she joins us to talk about her pro women's race where she took an amazing fourth place. Um, then I talk with Carrie Werner, cyclocross, mountain bike, gravel professional, and YouTube megastar, and he shares about the uh, wild details of the men's pro race where he took 10th overall. And finally, uh, the perspective from the age group waves where local Michigan rider and uh, new riding nemesis of mine, Jake Lombardo, joins me and takes us through our epic battle for the 40-year-old men's podium. Uh we cover a lot in this episode, and I want to get right to it. Iceman Cometh Challenge 2023. Hi. Good lighting. Okay. Yeah. Nice and bright. <laughs> Thank you. It is pretty bright, isn't it? It's you, need like... some, you need some stuff on your walls. Yeah, well, this is not my house, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, uh, do you have a house? Do you have an actual, uh, are you homeless, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm renting, um, so 
yeah, I have a house here in Bentonville. Um, yeah, it's right in a room. So I'm, I'm not homeless. We have a home. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Bentonville then? Yeah, you yep, I'll the, be in Bentonville. That was a quick uh, trip back or back or not back, I guess. Or, or, <laughs> maybe it is back. You went from Bentonville for, for Big Sugar and then up to Michigan and then back to Bentonville. Is that is that kind of the right? Yeah, well, actually, so after the rad, like at the end of September, I drove to Bentonville. And then the day I got to Bentonville, I flew to Italy the next day, flew back to Bentonville after Italy, and then was there for Big Sugar and then left for Michigan. So, yeah, <laughs> when I came back to Bentonville yesterday, I was like, I'm back home, but I really haven't been home home. Like... Yeah. Anyways, it is my home base, but I haven't been here that much for the whole month of October. <laughs> uh, it's so much that it probably doesn't feel like home, does it? Well, you know, surprisingly, when I quit my job last year, sold my house, got the van, and I was like, I'm going to be everywhere next year. And I remember thinking, there's going to be somewhere I visit next year, and I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. And I hadn't had that this whole year. Like, California, Colorado, like all these amazing places. And I just didn't feel like, I was like, mm, it's nice riding, but I don't really feel like it's home. When I got to Bentonville, I was like, oh yeah, I like it here. This community <laughs> is dope and I'll be staying. So yeah, it does feel kind of like home already, but yeah, time will tell how I adjust here. Yeah, cool. But I did want to ask you about Bentonville because I knew, I think we had talked about that a little bit and I knew that you were kind of moving down there and making that your home base. Um, and I wonder too, I was thinking about it a little bit because Bentonville has to like, yes, you said it, it feels like home, but also in terms of your professional cycling career, you have to look at it as a very important step in your whole, in your whole career. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, I committed to moving to Bentonville without even like, being here other than last year for big sugar for a couple days but the reason that that prompted to move there was because after leadville i was so frustrated with my skills like i i was racing leadville <laughs> and at the second aid stop i told my mechanic i was like i have hate my own biking i'm never touching this biking it during the race and I, yeah and i'm not <laughs> like that like if anyone knows me, you know that like I'm an eager beaver. I always want to do it all. And I was like, oh, I hate mountain biking. And it's because I was so frustrated. Like, I like riding my bike. I love racing my bike because it's fun. Yes, I like to win. That's, you know, also great. But at the end of the day, I do it because I genuinely love riding a bike. And I don't love when I'm on my mountain bike. I just don't. And that was at Leadville this summer. And so, you know, I talked with, you know, one of my sponsors, Trek you know, specifically, and, and they were really helpful for me to decipher, like, do I even want to race mountain biking? Like why forces? Or if I do, like, how can we make, you know, myself better? So they kind of set me up and gave me some options of really good skills coaches. And, you know, the one in Bentonville, Annika Beerton is who I'll be working with. And yeah, she is going to make me a shredder, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> so she, um, she has her work cut out for her. We'll say that. Um, but yeah, I, I committed to working with her this winter and that's 
predominantly the main reason I moved to Bentonville, to be honest. Um, and there's a lot of resources here. Like there's an in-person strength and conditioning coach, um, Addison that I'll be working with for lifting like three days a week. And it's very like detailed and guided and the mountain bike national team is headquartered here. So there's all these resources. Um, so I think it will be a good fit for me. Um, but yeah, and I think it's a good transition for me to become a better <laughs> cyclist yeah. as I try to figure out, you know, how to race my bike. Um, yeah, so we're, we're getting there. So that sounds like you will have a, uh, a busy off season of building skills and, um, not just training, but really training skills almost. Yeah. I feel like, you know, before, you know, the last two years I've been trying to just kind of figure this all out. And, and I think like, I kind of, there'd be moments in races or events where I'd be like, Oh, I, I think I did that wrong or, Oh, this, you know, I need to do this differently. And now I feel like I, not only do I know, but I have the resources to actually like make those changes. Right. Um, and like, for example, um, there was this particular tactic that kept happening this past weekend at Iceman and already it's like, Oh, well I can work on that one-on-one -on -one with my skills coach now, you know, cause yeah. that's why I'm hiring her. Um, also hired a sports psychologist. So I've been starting that over the last couple of weeks and it's already proven to be extremely val valuable. And that's only been like three sessions, you know, so yeah. working with her this whole winter and off season. So yeah, it's like, you know, I have my cycling coach, then I have my strength and conditioning lifting coach. I have my skills coach. I have my sports psychologist doctor, you know, I have like all these it's people like a, that a team uh, down there. Yeah, it really does take like a village. Um, and I'm just like so thankful for um, the resources that I have. And and it's a lot of money, like some of it's my personal money. Um, and it's hard to like spend that. But I also know like it's, it's going to be worth it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about the progress. And yeah, I'm going to just have a lot of change this winter things specific things that I can work on and yeah that makes me pretty jazzed up about it very cool um well you brought it up and this is the reason that we're talking about Iceman <laughs> and uh <laughs> so and it, it it's kind of ironic that you're talking about needing more mountain bike skills when we just got off of one of the biggest mountain bike weekends of the year um I know it's kind of a different you want to look at it the same way probably as uh, Leadville, but um, Iceman is its own thing and requires oh. its own set of skills. And uh, definitely, yeah. um, well, most people ride mountain bikes. I guess like some people don't ride mountain bikes, but it, but I will consider it a mountain bike race. And um, Paige, you, uh, for considering yourself, for identifying as a non-mountain biker, you did pretty damn well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fourth yeah, place yeah. is this you did pretty good last year it is is this better than yeah, last was, year it was the same last year I can't remember it's the same like I was fourth last year but I was nowhere near the leaders into the finish okay I got popped off before so for me to enter that finish circuit with leaders was a big step in the right direction but also like how I rode which we can talk more about was another like huge improvement for me so you know, and, and the thing we have to remember is like last year and historically at Iceman, it's a lot of non-single track, right? Which is right. why I like the, it's like, <laughs> it's my kind of mountain biking. It's like two track and just like fast power-based, you know, stuff. And, you know, I don't know the exact percentage, but would you say like Iceman's normally like 
30% single track, like not much. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, this year, like it was a lot more like 60, 70%. Like it felt like a lot to me. Um, it, it, it was. And I think that that's kind of the the story of the course. That's what everyone was talking about before. Um, a lot of people yeah. were talking about after. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a ton of single track. In fact, like, I, I don't know how you felt, but I'm like, when I'm, when I was in it, um, cause you know, there's the different segments of it. Um, yes. and I'm like, when is this going to end? I know this was kind yeah. of long, but holy cow, this is, this is a lot more than I expected. Yeah, it totally was. And that for me, like, you know, I even talked to my coach this morning and it was like, for me to be fourth this year with that course yeah. is a huge improvement than fourth from last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was happy with it um, overall. And, you know, there was a ton that I learned during the race, which is always cool to like get fourth, have a decent day and then say like, well, there was like 10 things I could have done better. Um, so that for me is good. Like if I'm getting fourth and I did everything perfectly, then maybe that'd be more frustrating, but I feel like I'm doing well, but I still have like this big ceiling to improve. But yeah, hundred percent. Like this year was very different Iceman than other years. And I'm curious to see if they keep it like that or if they go back to like the more typical Iceman. That'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know that they like to mess around. That's, that's probably not the right term, but they, they like to keep it interesting and change the course and, you know, take Anita's out one year and put it back in the next year and have it more flat versus more climby versus, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a that's a good, good question. I was expecting, I, I was talking about this with a few people. Um, I kept hearing that it was like new cut single track and that to me isn't very exciting. It's like mm-hmm. usually kind of rough. Um, you know, it's not smooth and, but I was, I was a little, uh, I was surprised about how how well how good that single track was. Um, it's it was technical in a, in the sense of like twisty turny. You didn't really get a lot of um, speed chances, um, but it, I didn't think it was super rough by any means. Um, I don't know how yeah. you felt about it. I would agree with that. Yeah, I rode a hardtail and I was like vacillating. Like you know, do I bring my super cal? Do I bring my pro cow? Like that was a big debate for a lot of people is like full suspension yep. or hardtail. There was way more full suspension this year. And where it has like, typically I feel like Iceman's generally like a hardtail race. Um, if you have both options, which I recognize most people don't. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it wasn't super chattery to me. Um, and I feel like it did ride pretty well. I was nervous because I rode up there. I heard that all the single track that was on course and I slightly panicked. I was like, I'm going to go to Traverse city early. <laughs> so, cause I was in Michigan visiting family and I'm like, Oh no, like if there's anything that's going to help me. It's be, you know, being familiar with the course. Right. So I went up there Tuesday and pretty much rode everything like the whole course on Tuesday. It was nice weather. It was riding really well. And then on Wednesday I went and rode and they got all that snow. And I was like, Oh shoot. Like this is going to be, this is going to be a disaster because it, the newer trail, um, like it just gets really muddy and uh-huh. sloppy mm-hmm. so much easier. And the Michigan dirt, you know, is just like that in general relative to other places that I've been racing this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really nice to have it riding so smooth on race day. Like we really lucked out yet again. Um, just one of these years is going to be bad. <laughs> We're due for 
New for a mud year. I oh think. my God. Yeah, we are. Uh, I was just talking to Carrie Werner about this and trying to figure out like how many ice mans, ice men he had done. And, and I was like, man, you, every single one you've done has been perfect. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I was trying to remember how many you have. You, has this been your third now? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you're in the same, same boat. Like you've had all mm-hmm. great uh, conditions and it was the one directly before that 2020 didn't exist, but 19 was a disaster, a complete disaster. Yeah. So, um, I thought maybe this year might be a disaster. I want to, I want to go back to the bike because that was a question I had. And like, I, I like how you put it because it is the big question, um, hardtail versus uh, full suspension and not everyone has a choice, but you, you, you do, you did have a choice. That's what you were saying. Yeah, I did. Yep. So I have the um, Trek Super Cal, which, you know, that's a great uh, bike for this course. You know, Ruth was racing on that. So I don't think either of those options were, were bad. But yeah, I had a Super Cal and then uh, had the, the hardtail. So. Okay. So and you went hardtail. And then what and another huge question that everyone likes to debate and talk about is tires. Like what tires? Yeah. Tires. What, what, what was the width? You know, like what, what yep. did you go with? Oh yeah. I really geek out on tires. And I honestly think like if anyone's like considering Iceman in the future, um, I mean, the end of the day, the biggest decision you need to think about is tires more so than the bike. Um, and so, you know, flying here was difficult because I was like, well, it's going to be nice. It's going to be muddy, you know? (laughs) So I had, um, I had four tire options that I was considering and I rode three of them on the course during the week and I was testing different tire options. So like my mechanic would come out and we can swap tires if we need to or adjust pressures, which is really nice. So I made the decision and I rode um, a 2.4 prototype WTB tire. Um, and it's, it's similar tread to like an Aspen, Maxxis Aspen okay. tire, uh, fast rolling. Um, and yeah, that was a great option. I rode, uh, I think 17 and a half and 19 and a half PSI front and rear, um, and no inserts. Um, you know, cause it's Michigan single yeah. track. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was considering like a 2.1 tire. And then I also had earlier in the week, I was riding on a 2.25, uh, WTB Ranger, which was more grippy. Um, and so for me, it was funny because, um, I, I put that tire on knowing it wasn't muddy the first day, but knowing it was a lot of single track and for me, like getting confidence. And so the tires gave me a little bit more grip through some of that stuff. And I think I was able to just kind of get a little bit more confidence. And then, you know, I swapped to the more racy tire. Um, and I still, you know, rode on that quite a bit, but it does corner a, a bit differently. Hmm. So, yeah. Do you, do you, feel more confident on the wider tires or you still like to go something with more aggressive knobs for the, for the cornering? Yeah, I like the wider tires, I think. Um, and ultimately like, yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to kind of the, the tire, uh, casing and the rolling resistance on a course like this, uh, potentially. Um, yeah, so those are more of what I'm feeling for when I'm testing tires. Um, and you know, the weight of the tire sometimes plays a role into that too. Um, yeah, like I weigh all my tires before I mount them. I have a lot. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Kind of nerd in that area. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you ever get super crazy and put, uh, you know, different tires up front versus, versus the back? Cause I know a lot of people will do like a 
maybe even like like the, the, yeah the or like the reverse mullet with the wider one up front and then the the skinnier one in the back you think about messing around with that yeah, so I was thinking about doing the 2.4 in front and then the 2.1 in the rear, um, but I didn't end up doing it just because I didn't love how it, you know, I don't, I think I settled on the 2.4 pretty early, but yeah, that's like a good option uh, for people. I think at the end of the day, like you just have to know how every tire corners and that's the problem with most people is like me, like I have tire sponsors, so I have like, you know, X number of choices, which is nice and there was a down, but a lot of people like it's so, it can be really overwhelming to like pick a tire because like last year when I didn't have a tire sponsor and I could run whatever, it was almost like more stressful. Right. So I always tell people like, just get like three tires, two tires and just stick with those, you know, learn how to corner and all terrains. And then you're not all stressed out about the weather and tire choice and all these things. And I mean, and honestly, I mean, the, the tire thing, like, I, I feel like there, there's a, there's a group of people that are more so on my end of the spectrum that uh worry about tires that probably don't need to be worried about tires like there's probably Mm -hmm. like maybe just ride one more day a week or try to get a few more (laughs) hours or you know just like it's probably you know at the end of the day it wasn't your tires that that, like right or like what what cracks me is like people are vacillating over these tires but they're not using a digital gauge you know so it's like you know dialing in your pressure almost is more important than the tire too i would argue yeah yeah. So that's, yeah. that's cool though. And it's, it's cool that you had the time to go through all these different choices and then feel, I mean, as you know, uh, as a, um, a newbie in the mountain bike scene, <laughs> that <laughs> confidence is so important. Right. And, um, oh, yeah. if you didn't believe, and if you were not confident in your bike choice in your tire choice and all of these choices that it just, it can mess with your head. And then all of oh, those yeah. tight, twisty, turny, uh, things that like, um, then you, you just don't go into it the same way. Um, so that's, I'm sure, I'm sure that was yeah. beneficial for your overall race, you know, all the whole, the whole day. Yeah. And it, it is so true too. like, especially for mountain biking, like any little bit of doubt or lack of confidence, so to say, whether it's skill or equipment, like it, can, it just gets in your head, you know, like I was even like vacillating over a 38 or a 36 front chain ring, you know, I'm like 36, 30. I'm like, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't really matter, <laughs> you know? Um, but what, yeah, you gotta make you, a decision. What'd you go, go with? with it. 38. Yeah. 30. And I'm glad that I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, it's still with, it was, uh, it was still quick. I mean, even, even with all that single track, it was, you, you, you all like lay down a quick, quick time and, and you have those points, those huge sections where you need that big gear to really just, um, yeah. you don't want to be spinning too much. Right. For sure. And I, I don't know. I, I just like, I really like the middle gears, uh, just more efficient than being like, you know, um, and the inefficient carries, I guess yeah. when I'm at speed. So yeah. And, and for me, like, I like laying the power down when I can. So if that's like a downhill, I, I want the gear to do it, but yeah, I, like I said, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter too much, but that was one thing. I, when I was up there earlier in the week, I collected gear data on the 36 and was kind of looking at it and saying, okay, I'm spending this amount of time in the 50, this amount of time, you know, and in this gear. And so you do all the math and say, okay, I, I have room to add 38. So, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, you mentioned it before and I mean, we, we kind of talked about gear and, uh, but you mentioned something about how it was 
def- like a learning experience for you, and there were certain tactics um, employed by other riders. I'm curious to know more about that and how how the uh, the women's race went down. Um, you you mentioned it that there was there was a group that was pretty close together, like all the way to the end. Um, but, uh, before all that and before, like in the single track and these other sections, like what were some of these tactics that you were noticing? What are some of these, these lessons that you've learned, um, now on the other yeah. side of, t- uh, this year's Iceman? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think like a big takeaway for me is, um, like being assertive and, you know, aggressive, you know, in a way. And, so pretty early on in the race, um, we set a pretty hot pace at the start. Um, there was so much single track. I didn't want to be fighting for 20 people to enter first. You know, I'm, I'm good with five or six, you know. Um, and knowing the field, I, I kind of anticipated a small group forming pretty early. Um, and I don't even know, like, at what point those other riders kind of dropped off. And I, I think it was partly because um, – I had entered single track, the shorter set, like one of the first single track sections, I entered like, I think fifth wheel and there was maybe two or three girls there, small gap opened up that I was able to close pretty easily, but I think that popped them off. And so I think that kind of happened whereas like the gap opened up and you weren't you know able to close it type of thing. Um, but from pretty early on, it was like the top five were separated. So it was me, Aaron, uh, Deanna, Haley, and Ruth. And um, kind of what had happened was there was this long section of single track. Um, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was the longest section of single track that was not really passable sections. And I remember thinking like, I have to enter their not fifth wheel. If I enter their fifth wheel, my day's done out of that league group, you know? And um, Ruth entered first and then Haley messed up the turn, kind of like kind of hesitated or missed. Um, and I snuck in kind of right there. So then I was second wheel. And then I think Haley was behind me. I don't know exactly who was behind me, but the other, you know, three were then behind me and Ruth's my teammate. Right. Right. So it may have looked like I was blocking, which in my mind, I was like, I'm okay with Ruth getting away because you know, it's, it's Ruth and she's my teammate and not going to necessarily like close a gap to her. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like that was a long section of single track. And what was happening was just a lot of verbal antics. And uh, this one particular writer has done this a lot in the past and is historically, I think it it really bothered me, but I've worked hard to just basically view it as white noise, right? And I don't yell back um, because at the end of the day, like I'm doing the best that I can for myself and for anyone around me. It's not like I'm intentionally going slow in there, right? Like I, if you're mad at me, like you really should be mad at yourself for not entering first if you want to be behind me like then enter before me you know so that was uh what was cool was that I think in the past like I just let it bother me or I'd be like oh I don't want to enter first and this was one of the first races where like no like I deserve to be here if you want to be in front of me then get in front of me right and there were shorter sections of single track that I'd kind of like fight for position, you know, whether it was with Dina or Aaron and there'd be bars bumping and sh- like a lot of physical contact. And in talking with like after, after, after party, um, it was me, uh, uh, Aaron and um, Deanna. And we were all just saying like how aggressive it was. Like all of us were aggressive and it wasn't like 
you know, that's just kind of how the race was the whole time because of all the single track, like the positioning's, you know, really important. Um, so anyways, there were like maybe two sections where you could potentially slide in front of someone, but I made sure to like really ramp up the power there. So no one could pass me. And I think that furthered frustration. Um, so then, yeah, large gap opened up. Ruth kind of had a, a lead, but then we were entering the, that next section after Williamsburg was all Vasa where it's basically open. And if you have four versus one, like we're probably going to close that down. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. We called up to Ruth and then from there, it was very much like, uh, Haley was, was kind of blocking a bit. Like she definitely wanted control of the race, whether that was to slow it down because she needed to recover or whether that was just her wanting to control things. So anytime, like particularly me, like if I'd go around her on a hill, like she would block me off. So like I either just have to slow up or go off course. Um, so just like things like that where, or like rotating in a pace line and like, you know, someone dropped instead of dropping back to the back, like to just drop off to the side and like have one wheel in front of me. So like either my front wheel is going to contact and I would go down or I have to let her in, you know? So it's just like tactics like that where I'm like, Oh, well, that's, that's cute. I'll learn how to address that later. You know? So it was like, okay, this is frustrating me, but I will work on this like this off season. Um, whereas before I think it was like, it bothered me more like in the moment, you know? Um, I think when you race bikes, like you have to remember, like things aren't personal, even when like, they feel like they are. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, we all, let's be honest, we, if you're racing enough against the same people, you have people, you just don't like racing, like whatever, for whatever reason. Right. And that just develops over time. Um, so yeah, as racers, you kind of have to, to manage that a bit. And, um, yeah. So then from there, like the Vasa section was, you know, I was trying to decide like, do I launch an attack? Do I wait? Um, and yeah, like, going into uh that finishing section ruth kind of popped off on one of the climbs i don't remember which one and she had been you know on the front on her on her own so it wasn't you know surprised by by that um and she had just taken her off season too like she's going back to road mm -hmm. so um so yeah she kind of popped off and then it was just four of us and i knew that finished section would just not be good for me <laughs> like it was like classic like you know, the, the right after icebreaker, right? Is that the section you're talking about? Um, all or before of that. Like that <laughs> yeah, like the, the small section of single track right before Woodchip Hill. Okay, yep, yep. And um, last year I kept hitting the tree. So it was like kind of cool that I was able to ride that and like, you know, felt a lot more confident compared to last year. But I entered that fourth wheel and then that's when a gap opened up and I kept it tight. Like, you know, they were right there and I could see Aaron, I could see mm -hmm. Haley. And I was like, oh, my thing closes, you know, on, on icebreaker, just, you know, save the legs. But then there's that another section of single track before icebreaker. And it just made this gap larger, right? Anytime I enter single track relative to them, like there'll be a gap opening up. So, um, yeah, I tried to hammer up icebreaker and I think it was like near the top and my legs were like, Yep. Nope. Like you're not, you're near the top and you're not seeing them and you're definitely not going to pass them in that techie like fencing finish. Um, so yeah, I just kind of tried to give it my all and be happy with, you know, the progress that I made. Um, so I think I was like 30 seconds back from Deanna and first, even throughout all of that techie stuff at the finish. So big improvements for me, definitely saw a lot of room for growth. Um, and yeah, I think like, I think before I just kind of, would let my guard down a bit. Like 
I was like, I didn't want to hold people back. And so if someone was going to cut me off, then I kind of let them in, in a way. And this was the first race where I was like, no, mom, hold on my line. Like <laughs> you can bounce off of me. Right. And there were like a couple physical moments too, where I was like, Ooh, that was, you know, that was bad. But I was like, I'm protecting my line. Like this is, I'm not on the wrong here. Um, so yeah, it was just like one of the first races where I was like comfortable being more assertive and aggressive and kind of had fun with it. Whereas before, like, I just don't enjoy that. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of excited to work on it more and, and see that play out, um, a bit more next year. So, yeah. 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 I mean, again, congratulations, uh, fourth place. Awesome. Um, you definitely had a strong race. I was on Woodchip Hill cheering you all, uh, like I didn't have a voice, I think for Sunday (laughs) or Monday, but, (laughs) but, um, but going back to what you're saying about aggressive or, you know, I, I think it's kind of like what we're talking about with the tires, with confidence, being confidence in your, being confident in your gear, and then also being confident in yourself. And when you lose that confidence and like thinking, uh, maybe I shouldn't, uh, jump in the single track at this point. Maybe I shouldn't hold my line here. Maybe I shouldn't, that actually becomes dangerous, uh, to yourself and others. And, you know, you don't want to ride near someone who's not confident in riding. Right. Right. And, and I think it's just that kind of all, and then confidence can become, uh, you can, you can start to bring some riding a little more aggressive and being more assertive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and that like you're, exactly like what you're saying then becomes fun you know like um yeah kind of like this is you know just like you were saying um there were moments where Haley may have been um kind of controlling things and then maybe that's that's that is when you can also be that aggressive and assertive and be like no yeah you can control this but i'm gonna control this you know uh that's it's kind of cool to hear hear those different things and the tactics are i'm sure they're so different than say a big gravel race where the group is huge and, um, right. I don't yeah. know, you have like 10 people, 20 people together versus sure. you're, you're rotating with four, um, yeah. people in different types of terrain. Um, it's so dynamic too. And like one thing, like, I think I'm going to get a camera for my bike next year or my helmet. I haven't decided which, but for like a race like this, like the footage and like the audio too like it would be so cool for people to experience that you know and to see like what it's like um i think it'd be just a lot of fun for for people to you know kind of of experience that so yeah that's one thing i want to kind of maybe try next year yeah for sure so i mean you're definitely coming back for iceman then that's what you're that's what you're saying oh yeah (laughs) i will come back i will come back to iceman until i want to win it one of these years hopefully (laughs) so it's just like I don't know. Like, yes, the season was long. I raced, I think, 33 or 34 races this year, which is insane. Um, And, you know, I had a my race season. I started racing in February. You know, I was doing some road events, you know. And, um, yeah, I thankfully never really felt burned out. And I honestly, even if I was burned out, I would never miss an opportunity to race Iceman. Um, Because, like, I realized it more this year, I think. Michigan is just different, right? Like the, the people, uh, the people show up, like, it doesn't matter what it's, what it's like there. They can be raining and be frigid cold. Like as long as you got beer flowing, like <laughs> there will be people there. Um, it's just such a cool finishing environment, uh, for that to be like in my home state in one of the best finishing races, like with supporters to be in Michigan. Like you don't think of the Midwest as, um, a cycling Mecca or, you know, like, 
Midwest historically doesn't, you know, keep cyclists there because the terrain, right? And so it's just really cool. Or the the weather, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or or the weather, both. Um, So I just think it's so special to like have such a unique and special event there um, and a history that it's proven, you know, over time. And and I also like it because, you know, they're not, they're, it's it's formed organically, right? They're not having influencers come to the race or, you know, I not that I'm aware of like paying people to come. Like it's just people want to be there and, and they keep showing up. I will say I was disappointed in the women's field relative to the men's. And I think there's some work there to be done. Um, like two years ago when I first did Iceman, they had that woman who shred program. And um, it was pretty cool. Cause like, that was like one of the largest women's field that they, that they've had. Um, so I'd love to see more pro women show up and, um, kind of, you know, not be as disappointing when we line up after the men. Um, and I will say Iceman was really receptive to moving the start time back three, cause it's normally three minutes. And, um, like I had really advocated to give a bigger gap this year cause of the single track. Um, so that was really cool that they, they listened and allowed a little bit more time. Cause normally like the lead women are like, you know, 40th place ish roughly and we end up passing like half of the pro men's field um so it can get a little frustrating um so yeah i think that increased time helped mitigate that a bit good good yeah um i was wondering about your uh relationship to Iceman and how it's probably i'm assuming it has developed over the years it's probably i mean i'm thinking of when you started it three years ago, you lived in Michigan and Mm -hmm. you have, um, developed as a cyclist and changed home bases and all of this. And so Iceman kind of remains the same and you've kind of moved around, but then like, I'm, I'm wondering is it, if, if it's, if your relationship to it has changed or it's actually like become even more of a thing you want to do now that you're not living in Michigan, but, but from Michigan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's becoming even more special, you know? And I, and I think a lot of that is like, you know, people are starting to like be supportive of what I'm doing and and follow along and, and to have all those people like see me in person, especially like family, you know, like a lot of my cousins were there, my aunt, um, local friends, my sister, you know, my brother-in-law, um, like just all these people that, that were there and like, they don't get the opportunity to like see me in action very often. Um, and so I think it's just like so special because these, these are my people, you know, <laughs> these are my, these are my friends, like training with, uh, different people and then being able to see them finish and have them watch me. It's just, I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to become less special. Yeah. Um, and like I said, too, like there's, I will always view Michigan as home. Um, you know, whether my family is there or not, like I, I lived there for 33 years, you know, um, and I missed it a lot of the times. So I think just going back and feeling Michigan and feeling the love of Michigan, um, just is so special. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's growing to a stronger relationship, I'd say. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. (laughs) And I think, uh, what you're doing this off season with like focusing on mountain bikes and, um, I, I mean, I would love to see a page on Weller on, uh, hoisting that ice trophy. Ice trophy. It'd be amazing. Yeah. It'd be amazing. And I, and I know, um, I'm not the only one. Um, but, uh, I, I want to close with this question and it's not so much about Iceman. It's just about your, um, 
progression as a as a cyclist but um you had a big season this year uh mm-hmm. you were constantly um part of in the front for um the lifetime series um heck you went to the worlds i mean that had to be a uh like a once in a lifetime, hopefully not once in a lifetime, but still like at this point, like a once in a lifetime experience, like goodness. I mean, that yeah. pretty, pretty incredible. And especially watching from the outside and seeing all these things and seeing you. Um, but, uh, I, and last year was a, a big season for you. Um, mm. and, and I'm sure last year there were some things you learned, some things, some important things, but I want to put you on the spot here about this season. Um, and what's, what, what do you think is one of the most valuable lessons you've learned about yourself as a cyclist this season? Yeah. So one of the most valuable lessons I learned this year and also one of the most painful lessons was that I am not defined by my race results. Um, last year, um, you know, I won big sugar and I was still working and I quit my job, sold my house. And I was like, I just won this big bike race. And now I'm not working and I'm just going to go dominate. Sure. Right. And, um, you know, I, it feels good to get a big win. Um, but then I had a lot of, um, bad stuff happen this year in regards to just bad luck or, uh, different things. Um, and so some of my targeted races, like two of my main races I was targeting, I had mechanicals, um, that, you know, either had me DNF or really limit my results. Um, and so after those events and those were early season, I really had to question what I was doing with my life as a cyclist. And, um, I quickly realized that like, that's not what this is about. And I'm a really competitive person. So I think it's easy for me to focus on that. And so through those losses and kind of, I mean, to be honest, disappointments, I just realized like there's so much more to this than winning. Um, and I, it also made me realize like I've had an incredibly consistent year and I can look at the year and say like, I didn't, I didn't win a big race this year. Um, but I was top five in numerous high level events. And if you look and you watch the season, I was always in that front mix, um, in, in near there. Right. And so to have that consistency across this year, while I was also racing road stage races, time trial, um, <laughs> and traveling all over just to get more experience for me was huge. So I think, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, learning them not defined by the results, but to add to that, like to give yourself grace. And as athletes, we're historically very hard on ourselves. And it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or if you are an age group athlete or just out there trying to get more fit. Like the end of the day, like your goal is still personal to you. And, um, I think it's like, we all want something more of ourselves a lot of the times. Um, and I don't think like expectation or pressure is bad. I think it's the opposite after the event. If you don't have that grace over time, that adds up and, um, can really just mentally, you know, be disappointing. (laughs) So yeah, I think there's so many things I learned, but that's probably like one of the biggest takeaways as a cyclist, but honestly, also as a person, um, and it hasn't been easy, really has not. (laughs) And, uh, I really have to credit my sponsors and this is not like some shameless plug for my sponsors. (laughs) I just feel like I lucked out because the people that I had supporting me this year, like were often ones saying like, don't be so hard on yourself, you know? So 
I think that that was really cool to see. Like, these are the people that want results just as much as me. Like, they're paying me to get results. And when I was disappointed or didn't get those results, they're the ones saying, like, you're doing the best that you can. And, like, you know, in time, like, these things will work themselves out. So, yeah, just, I don't know, long-winded answer. Pretty typical for me, but... (laughs) Hopefully that, that answers that. It does. It was, it was perfect actually. Um, that that's great. And honestly, like from the, from my perspective, um, you said consistent, that's what, that's what we see Paige. We see, uh, you're, you're racing consistent and you're, you're, you've, you've had, uh, an amazing season and, um, yes. congratulations on your season. Congratulations on your ice man congratulations on your off season. Enjoy that. And, uh, (laughs) you know, gaining skills and rest and all of that. And I can't thank you enough for, uh, this conversation. Um, we, you've been on the podcast before, but it's been a long time. Um, and I was thinking, I was thinking back Moran, you, you, you had a little thing that you, you talked about your win at, uh, the Moran 166, a Michigan race. And then we talked about mid South quite a, a couple of years ago. Um, and then I was thinking I rode your mountain bike at, uh, at <laughs> Sea <Otter. laughs> Oh yeah. I remember that. Good time. Cause I have, way I, back. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, but, uh, anyways, this is, this was awesome and this was perfect. And, um, it was so great to see you just kicking ass this last weekend. So continue to do it. And, um, Thank you. thanks for, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, I appreciate um, taking a little time out of your day. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to you before the race about setting something up, and and I mistakenly was like, "Yeah, you know, it's off season, so you probably got a ton of time." But then, of course, it's cyclocross season now, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, where are you heading this weekend or this week? Um, Thursday, I'm flying out to Santa Cruz for uh cycle cross net or cycle cross single speed cycle cross world championships. So that was a question I had because it, it's different than single speed cycle. Well, it's different than cycle cross nationals, which yeah. am I right that you won single speed Nats last year? You are right. Okay. Yes. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't remember if that was last year or the year before, but is the, is the world's like, is that kind of like a, a party race? I, I Remind me what that is. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the best way to describe it is, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what's on the schedule of events. So for Friday night, for the pro packet pickup, we were told to show up at a bar at 10 p.m. and be in our kits that we'll represent our sponsors in and they will have drinks and kids bikes for us. And that's how we will get our numbers. And that's all we know. And then Saturday is, uh, kind of like a all day alley cat through Santa Cruz where you collect tokens to qualify for the world championship race, which is on Sunday. And, uh, I'm sure there'll be some debauchery along the way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, and there's always like, there's always like fun shortcuts to be taken in the, in the actual race where 
you know, if you take a shortcut, you take a shot and then you get to like cut off part of the course or something like that. Or there, there's been like, there's been like slip and slides or like ball pits and uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So, I mean, this doesn't, I mean, it sounds like fun, but you are also in the middle of, or starting cyclocross season. So you've got to like, is it got to be like a balance of fun and actually riding, or do you just kind of totally embrace the, the, the fun aspect? Uh, well, actually I haven't done, uh, I mean, I've done some specific VO2 workouts over the last like two weeks, basically. Um, but besides that, I haven't really done any specific cyclocross stuff. So it'll be nice to like get on a cross course and remember what that's like and try to jump some barriers and maybe even dismount <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just kind of get that kind of get a feel for that because then the next, I don't know, I didn't look at the, the schedule, but I don't know, uh, if there if there is a UCI CX race this weekend anyway. Um, and so after this weekend will be Hendersonville, which will be my first UCI CX weekend of the year. How, how far away is that? So like this weekend coming up is single speed side cross world champs. And then the next weekend is Hendersonville. Oh, okay. Very next weekend. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, is, is there uh last question about, uh, cyclocross worlds but t- is there also like a tattoo feature for those who win or is that oh yeah i meant to i meant to say like there's not a uh a rainbow jersey on the line but rather <laughs> the winner of both the men and women's race they each have to get tattoos okay i, I thought that was the case that's amazing <laughs> yeah. uh okay we not that i don't want to talk about cyclocross um i don't really know much about it but uh i do want to talk about Iceman. Um, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, it is, what is it? Tuesday. So it's only a few days removed from, uh, what I thought was a, a killer weekend. Uh, an amazing, uh, I don't know. We couldn't, I don't think we could have asked for a better, uh, better conditions for Iceman and it just turned out to be uh, pretty incredible. But, um, how many, how many Iceman's Icemen have you, have you now done? Uh, this, this past weekend was my third. Okay. So which, pa- which pales in comparison to Brian Motter's now 30. Insane. Insane. <laughs> I mean, and Brian Motter is kind of like, I kind of consider him to be local ish for like the, the Michigan scene. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, definitely, I mean he was born and raised in Michigan. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but I mean, they're definitely guys, people, that have done every single ice man, uh, uh, year as well. But, but yeah, so I was, I was trying to remember cause I, I definitely remember you in 2019, uh, no, wait, 20, no, 2021, 20, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 21, 21. Sorry. Yeah. I've, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of, but, uh, 2021 when Cole Patton won, um, right. Yeah. And, uh, so that would have been your first, yeah, that would have been your first Iceman. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, when I think of the race though, and back to cyclocross, I kind of think that it's, should be a strong suit for you. I mean, is that how you, I mean, I look at like Schwamigan, Iceman, um, am I right? Or is it not technical enough? You need a little more twisty turny to really like 
let your strengths shine. What do you think? No, I, I like it. The effort's really cool. Um, I like that it's uh, not as technical because it's just a really fast kind of kind of like group race through the woods, which is like kind of blends like some of my favorite aspects of racing, which is like crit racing and cyclocross all together in one, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually thought the so this year was the with the course changes, there was the most amount of single track in the course that I've done since I've like participated in an Iceman. And I was like, I was like really stoked for the single track because there was definitely a speed limit in there. And, you know, it wasn't technical, like in terms of rocks, there were quite, you know, there was pretty twisty turny, but I think because of that, like there, you could only go so fast. And so for me, it was actually really nice to like kind of like take a breath in the single track and like regain myself. Um, and so, um, I don't like if it was single track the whole time, I don't think it would be fun because there wouldn't be a lot of opportunity for guys to attack and pass and really push the pace, which I feel like dudes were doing, um, kind of like on the in-between kind of double track and road sections in between the single track. That's Cool to hear. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that going into this year, everyone was talking about the all the single track, the newly cut single track, and all this. And um, I definitely felt that uh, riding earlier in the day that it was it kind of slowed everyone down. Um, in fact, like when I was l- comparing efforts from last year to this year, I was like, man, my heart rate was like way lower. Average heart rate was lower. Uh, this year than last year and, I, and the only thing I can think of is the is because of the single track just because of the way more minutes spent in the single track but yeah I was, I was interested to see or to hear how that kind of all played out in the pro race as well um, mm-hmm. but uh, I I was actually pretty I kind of expected newly cut kind of rough single track but I, I thought it was it was pretty smooth yeah it was tight and twisty but it was enjoyable way more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be yeah, I was I was stoked. I would I actually would like to do uh, a not so nice man one year. Like it'd be fun to do an ice man where the weather just kind of opened up on us and like it was really gnarly. Uh, every year I've done it so far. Uh, I mean, I did wear arm warmers this year, but I definitely could. I definitely didn't have to. Like I could have done it in shorts and short sleeves, which is what I've done it the past two years. So, I mean, it, and I think. Every year there's a, a nice man. We say that, you know, we're due for a, a bad one, but I, I can't believe that we've gotten away with three straight years of, of decent weather. Um, let me back up a little bit because um, we talked at the expo, the uh, Ice Cycle Expo. Was that the first year you've done uh, a whole day before at the expo? Yep. Uh, yeah, the last two years I was able to fly in and then kind of just – uh, do the race, but it was kind of nice because it was also the first year I stayed at the host hotel, the Grand Traverse, uh, resort and hotel there, which was really convenient and made the weekend like run really smooth in the past, the past two years. Uh, we, I kind of went to Iceman with a friend from Chicago who had a friend that had a, a condo at the old Sugarloaf mountain. So it was like, 
45 minutes away oh, from Traverse City. Yeah. So it just made for like made for like a pretty hectic weekend driving back and forth for pre-ride and getting your packet and and just all of that. Yeah, uh I, logistics it being a point to point logistics kind of get a little uh I don't know, difficult um especially when you're talking like 5000 riders. Um, I'm sure like mm-hmm. there's a lot more people cleared out by the time you guys park at the, at the start, but yeah, it does, it does get kind of difficult. Um, you've been doing kind of this, kind of the expo thing, uh, for a lot of races this year with bike flights. Um, what do you think of that, uh, schedule? Um, you're kind of working, you're kind of on the clock, but I would assume that it's, it's gotta be. I don't know, a bit encouraging or, or neat to meet a lot of different people that come by that recognize you and, uh, you know, wish you luck for the day after. Um, it's probably, I'm guessing uh, tires you out a little bit. It has to, I mean, I, I, I was at the expo too all day standing on your feet for 12 hours. Isn't necessarily like the best thing to do before, before a race, but, um, there are, there's gotta be some pros, right? Yeah, for sure. It's bittersweet, but, uh, it is like, it's super encouraging. And, and, uh, sometimes like doing the vlogs and like doing that whole bit of social media can get a bit old and stale and like, just kind of don't want to do it for a while. Uh, but for sure, like standing at the expo and having people like lots of way more people than I expect every, every time, like coming up and just saying how much they like the videos and asking about Sherman and, <laughs> and just like, just like, it, it's really cool. And it, and it like makes me feel like part of the cycle, like the greater cycling community. And it, yeah, it just kind of like, it all comes like full circle for me and it like helps me kind of stay motivated to keep doing videos and like keeping people in the loop. And, um, and yeah, so it it is pretty enjoyable in that sense. Well, I mean, and and I was going to ask you about your videos, um, because certainly it's, it's, it's good for you. It's good for your sponsors. It's, but, um, it, it is like when you, I'm sure when you're at these bigger, uh, events and you see a lot of people, you, you do realize how, how beneficial it can be for way, way more than just, um, that'd be for yourself, I guess. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I see like the, you know, there's a dedication for training. There's a dedication to be a, a, a pro cyclist, but then like, man, I, how quickly you get out these videos. I mean, there's a, an extreme dedication to, to get these things out. I mean, you already have the one out for Iceman. I mean, that's, that's crazy fast editing and a <laughs> uh, quick turnaround. So it's, I, it's, it's commendable to see, how much content you put out and it, it is helpful to to just kind of like spread the stoke of all these different races you're going to and just people wanting to ride bikes and be healthy yeah i mean that's that's like why it's a big reason why i do it for sure you know i keep it going because it is like at this point i've built a bit of a following and so it's nice to like keep the fans engaged so it kind of gives sponsors something like shows them kind of my marketability but um i also just like have a lot of fun at a lot of the races and so like it's i like to show people that like going to races is not it doesn't have to be super serious and it can be fun and it's like easy to do logistically even for something like iceman so 
Um, yeah, kind of probably not as much of that element as like a how to, but um, I feel like you can you can pull little details out like that on like how to do uh, all the races that I go to based on my vlogs. Sure. And the, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't necessarily look at what you're doing as like a how to uh, uh, compete or how to finish or how to whatever. Um, but it is like, you know, you're going around picking different cereals, eating. I mean, that, we, we live in a very like, uh, uh, what is it? The marginal gains kind of world. And when you see people that are, uh, at the, at the front, just eating cereal and <laughs> just having a good time, it's, it's refreshing. So it's, it's, it's cool to, to see that kind of stuff. Um, anyways, we're get, kind of getting on a tangent and then I do want to talk about Iceman, but, um, I, I think we were chatting a little bit at the expo about bike choice and at before you kind of talked about, well, you, you picked the Kona Hey Hey. Um, that's the mountain bike that you have. You don't have a, a hard tail. I believe that's what you said. Um, right. In the past you have run drop bars on the other yeah. side of the race. How do you feel about your bike choice? Well, I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of, I think it was the right bike choice for me. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the right bike choice for the race. I think the race like is for sure. an at like an XC hardtail as light as possible, hundred mil fork kind of race, um, the lighter the bike, but like being able to run, you know, proper mountain bike tires is I think important. Um, maybe not in all years, the first two years, I think the drop bar bike was fine, but with more single track, I think it's just, uh, like a bit easier to navigate the single track with like a more mountain bike setup, and, or at least like for, for me, be able to like feel comfortable enough to like kind of recover on the, on the single track sections instead of like feeling fully pinned the whole time, which is kind of how I felt last year on the drop bar bike um yeah i think like if if my if my libre which is the gravel bike if it could fit a bigger tire i will i or rather let me back up i think if i could i think the best bike even for this past year would have been like a hardtail mountain bike with like 225 tires uh 100 mil fork and i probably would have run dropper bars because or drop bars because i i just really like um being like a drop bar guy in the mountain bike field it makes navigating the group uh really easy just because everybody's on like 700 mil sure. bars and when and when you're on you know 400 mil drop bars or whatever like you can just like shoot gaps really easily and stay safe and uh a lot of the single track at um, Iceman is, is pretty tight. Um, and it's not super fast. So also not very technical, like the technicality comes from the turns, not really rocks or roots. So, uh, I think like having a drop bar bike and being able to like move it around a bit more, uh, in the single track, especially the finished single track, it was super tight in there. Oh yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, like so being able to like move your bike around more I think is beneficial as well. Yeah. What is there a reason cuz I mean 
famously or infamously you threw <laughs> drop bars on your Libra, uh, no, not on your Libra, on your uh, Hey Hey for Schwam again. Um, is there a reason that you decided against that for, for Iceman? Uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> uh, basically it's just like, it just, it takes too long. Like I got to cut brake lines. I got to redo shifting, like shifting cables and stuff. So, um, just, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense for, um, yeah, it just wasn't worth its weight. <laughs> Uh, for Schwamigan or to do again, or was, was it just like, well, a, I think, was it an experiment that, Sh- that maybe you Schwamigan was, yeah, Schwamigan was an experience or experiment. <laughs> and, and I kind of was like, okay, now I get that. Like, I see how that worked and for what it took to do that. And I, and I, and what the bike rode like and, and my experience on it, it just didn't seem like it was worth it to do it again. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I maybe maybe if I had a, a different like a different bike that was set up specifically as a drop bar mountain bike. The other thing is like the Hey Hey is a 120, 120 bike, so like it doesn't feel super fast and snappy as a drop bar bike. Um, I think maybe if you had something like a bit more on the XC side of the spectrum. And for me to have that bike and then like have it just always set up with drop bars, like that might be cool as a go-to bike for like Iceman or like a Schwamigan type race, but to like switch a bike back and forth, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember seeing that from Schwamigan. It, it, it looked kind of funny. I mean, you don't see many, uh, full squish, especially like 120, 120 with uh with drop bars so it was, it was definitely an interesting thing right. to see um but yeah. but yeah cool i mean just yeah just wondering so what what tires did you ride then uh for iceman i had the maxis aspen 2.4 in the front and then a 225 in the rear okay happy with that choice yeah very happy i felt really really good on the single track and i and i felt like like I said, I was able to like relax on the single track and actually recover a bit and like gather myself. Um, and I think that was because of the bike choice and tire choice and all that kind of came together to just like allow me to feel that way. Um, can you take us through a few sections of the race? Um, I mean, kind of starting at the end, I it, it's crazy to see, was it like 11 people finish within... 20, 30 seconds of each other. It was a huge group finishing. Um, I think if you, if you end the, if you, if you take the race and, and go to that very last corner. Yeah. (laughs) I think everybody came into that last corner within 15 seconds of each other. And then just kind of spread it, spread each other out. (laughs) Well, just until the crashes happened and then like people got back up and crossed the line. But yeah, it was like, um, I'm actually, after we get off the, the podcast recording here, I'm going to, uh, make my, my race recap live and I've got video showing like uncut of the last, uh, 2k of the race in it. And you could just, I mean, like up until basically icebreaker Hill, like everybody was all within 
10 seconds of each other. That's crazy. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. The, uh, so the, the, one of the best places to, um, for, um, us to watch the pros is wood chip before a lot of that. I mean, you're, you're probably, I don't know how many, how many miles out a couple, only a couple of miles or something. And that's when, you know, there's no barrier, but there's just, there was a ton of people cheering you up wood chip Hill. And, um, that's where we've gone the last couple of years. And, and usually can you, can you help, can you help me clarify which one is wood chip? Is it the one that's like maybe three miles out? So this year, and and I think I'm correct, but this year it was, um, I think you were on, you were in the woods on some single track and you did an immediate left onto wood chip and it's when there was a, a ton of people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's the one like, like You're, basically right before icebreaker. Hill. Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I, I believe that's correct. Um, and that's where we like to congregate and um cheer everyone that goes by this year uh it was so wild how big of a group came up woodchip together and we were yeah that's what i mean like yeah. we all hit that section of single track within 10 seconds of each other <laughs> and i remember like turning to people we were talking like usually that's the best place to be because you see and we're like maybe the best place to be was right at the finish and we said this before we even knew of the carnage that happened <laughs> at the finish. So I I feel right. like the best place to spectate would was like right near the finish to see um I mean unfortunately a little bit of carnage but uh but anyways like woodchip woodchip is still a fun um section of it to uh to spectate but but yeah I mean I I thought it was wild how many of you were together um did it stay together basically um or were there spots where um, it broke up a little bit. You had to chase. Um, how, how did that go? Yeah, I think the there was really only one point on the course where the the front group got thinned to like maybe less than ten riders, but it was never less than like eight. So uh, maybe like six or eight miles in, there was a pretty significant climb. Uh, that went right into a pretty good single track section. And um, it was either Andrew Lesperance or Alexi Vermeulen or both of them like really lit the fire there and pushed into the single track. Um, I actually found myself in trouble, like dangling maybe three to five seconds off the back of the group there with Brian Motter behind me and Luckily, like Brian came around me and, and I was able to like jump on his wheel and he pulled me back onto the group. But <laughs> it, that, that was like a moment that was a tense moment. And then from, yeah, basically from that point on, like I remember and I have video of like the group recollecting after that and having a moment of uh, reprieve. And then like you look back and there's nobody there and there's maybe only eight of us or so maybe maybe one or two less but and then and then like within a minute a couple dudes just started like piling on to the back of the group and then the group from there the group from there to the end of the day was basically the same okay and then um i mean for those who who wrote it know that like the there's there's the the famous hills woodchip icebreaker 
And then there's always some weird, like, twisty, turny situation before you get to the end. And this year it was um, especially twisty and turny, especially right at the end. Um, Will you kind of explain what happened at the end, like, literally yards before, meters before the finish? Yeah, there was, like, a... There was a straight away and then maybe, I don't know, a hundred meters before the finish, maybe even less than that. There was a, a right hand turn, a 90 degree right hand turn. And it was kind of like a four foot little three foot bump up onto a pavement, 90 degree right hand turn. And I think from uh, like all the traffic before us um, just and the soil in that area is very sandy. I think like a lot of that really gritty small soil got tracked up onto the pavement. And so when you approach that 90 degree corner, you hit, you bump up onto the pavement and you have like a bit of a light front end and then you it's pavement. So you think like, okay, I have grip now. And so you really push through the corner. And as soon as you're, as soon as you think you can push the front wheel just was washing. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure people have seen the, the video of, Orshaw washing out and then Lesperance like he came in like Mario Kart hit the banana peel and then I did the same thing uh and so yeah three of us in the top 10 all 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 crashed on that last corner oh man that's it it's a bummer for sure um and I know I mean all the way all the age group waves go like you know hours before that and um, finishing. I mean, I knew it was, it was a tight, I wasn't going at it with nearly as much speed, but then talking to people, like, I think people were, were spilling on that like all day. Um, it was was just a a tough corner for sure. Yeah. I've got a pretty good raspberry on my kneecap from that. (laughs) And didn't like, didn't Wakely run into you or something that was kind of, you guys kind of mixed it up a little bit there. Yeah. Well, I just, came around him in the straight before that corner. And then he was right on my wheel. He was probably ready to sprint me, but he was on the outside of my wheel. So when I, when I crashed, I took him into the fence with me. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Do you think there is, there's any, I mean, so say like the two of you or, or anyone going through that. And I'm thinking specifically of, uh, you know, Alexi's on the wheel of, um, who crashed first. Um, Tyler Orshaw. Yeah. Like, do you think there was enough space for someone to get around after that? Or do you think that was like where you came around that corner was basically where you probably were going to finish? I think for the most part, the latter is true. I think like maybe it would be possible, but I think that it would have to be the situation where like you just emptied the tank getting to that corner and you just didn't have the pop and like, if you messed that corner up or like somebody just played it better than you and then, and then was able to like, cause it kind of dog legged after the corner too. It wasn't like the corner and then straight to the finish. Sure. So as long as you stayed on the inside, you probably would get it. But I think maybe like if you, if somebody in front had just like completely gassed themselves, maybe somebody from behind that had one more match to burn, maybe they could have come around. Yeah. It, it's just, it's wild how, I mean, it's not that it's a Iceman's not a super long race, but then how it just can come down to the very end, the very last sprint, of course. Like, but it's <laughs> it's wild. Um, 
I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> well, what I mean, like, what's your? I mean, it was definitely fun, uh, dynamic race this year. Uh, this is your third year. Uh, for people in Michigan, Iceman is special. It's a, it's, it's something we look forward to every year. It's the, it's the end of the season for a lot of people. Um, it's, it's a time where it, we party in the woods and get to cheer on these pros from all over the country, sometimes all over the world. Um, you being an outsider to, to Michigan, like, how do you view it now? I mean, three times you've done it. Um, I think you've been top 10 each time. Uh, what, what's your, what's your take? I mean, are you going to continue to come back? Is it, is it one of the things you look forward to races you look forward to? Yeah, honestly, it's one of my, for sure in the top five, maybe top three favorite races of the year. I just like just the energy surrounding Iceman, like you said, like being an outsider being able to come in to all of that hype that everybody, like thousands of people bring to that event. Coming up Icebreaker Hill at the end of that race is like, it, it like gives me goosebumps. Like it's like being at a cyclocross world championship, but it's just like this kind of random race in Michigan <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's awesome. Uh, and I mean like then of course, like, you know, the prestige of hoisting the ice trophy, like one of the most unique trophies that there is out there, like being able to throw that over your head. Like, yeah. And I think like the fact that the race is so short and so fast and so tactical, like it's like when you win a race like that, it's like, it's almost like you had a perfect race, you know? So it's like when you win that race, it, it really means a lot. It's like, that's what you're chasing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool to hear. I mean, cool. I mean, of course, we love it in Michigan, but it's cool to see people like you come in and uh, be pumped about it and then have great things to say about it. Um, you know, I, I get and maybe we don't have to have this huge conversation, but um, there there is a like. I, I'll call it like a lifetimeification of of American racing, which is. I think is positive for a lot of reasons, but then I see a, a a race like Iceman that's just kind of over here on the side that, um, that it's doing its own thing and it's still very popular. And, and I hope that those two things can exist in this, in the world of, of American bike racing, American mountain biking, American, whatever, off-road racing that, um, separately, separately. Yeah. 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 Separately. Yeah. Yeah. Separately. Um, I, I, I even wonder this year, like, um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see a Cole Patton. I didn't see, you know, like there's some, like, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that people had, you know, they, they were done with their season. They wouldn't, but I don't know. I mean, it's like, and I, I, I don't, I, I, I just use him as an example, but, uh, I, I hope that, um, Iceman can continue to thrive as it has been and pros like you will continue to come in from the outside and make it um continue to make it such a exciting thing for for everyone i guess yeah i mean i think i mean even with lifetime being so full on um i mean you still get like uh les Bronze was in the series myself uh alexi like i think i think you'll still get a handful of dudes every year that just like really, uh, just like really enjoy, like 
have been exposed to it, like just get why it's such an awesome race and and they'll be back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can't see, I can't see a race like Iceman losing its, losing its lore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hope so. Long live Iceman for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, again, we love it that like, um, pros like you come in and, uh, enjoy it and race their heart out. And, um, I would love, I would love to see, see you with that ice trophy. That's for sure. Um, keep coming back. I want to, I want to see it happen. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Carrie. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, we'll see you around. Um, and uh, good luck with uh, cyclocross season. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Jake, are you drinking a beer right now? <laughs> no, first of many. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that... Cheers, man. I'm going to open up one. <laughs> I don't want to leave you hanging. Just, you know, new friends don't let new friends drink alone. So <laughs> no, that, that's right. Dude. I got, I got to lube up the lube up the pipes here. Yeah, that's great. Um, very cool. Are you all recovered from, uh, the crazy weekend? Yeah, I think so. I, um, I was like, I came down with some kind of like sinus infection or something that was like on the, on the doorstep the day before the race. So I was like, I've never been so diligent about medication as I was on the Friday before Iceman. And, uh, I think if I would have gone home after the race and hydrated and relaxed and ate some healthy food and gone to bed early, I probably would have recovered just fine, but I it's, didn't do any, I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> instead of chug podium beers and uh, <laughs> like, I'm not going to not do that. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, um, I think I was, uh, messaging you earlier, but, um, I wanted to get a few different perspectives of Iceman. Um, and we were kind of talking, uh, at the, at the finish, but, um, I interviewed, uh, Paige Onweller, and a Michigan favorite, um, fourth place, crazy good ride. Uh, I've been wanting to interview Carrie Werner for a while, and I thought this would be a good excuse. So we talked about the men's race and how crazy that was. But what I think the people really want to hear about, and that they will tune into this episode, is the um, the crazy battle for fourth and fifth 40-year-old men's podium position that you that's, and I took part in. <laughs> that's that's what the people want. Let's give them what they want. If they want to hear about Kerry Warner, they can go to his YouTube channel and listen <laughs> to talk all day. <laughs> but yeah, man, it was uh it turned out to be um myself speaking, uh one of the more enjoyable Iceman experiences because uh kind of because of that end and because of battling it out with with you there's a couple other guys i knew but um but you in particular i knew uh was in my age group and when i saw you go by me at the end i was like oh shit i need to make sure and uh and stay on his wheel and you know limit the damages there but um but yeah i uh you know however maybe we need to back up and, and start at the beginning but um anyways i just i I found that to be extremely enjoyable to actually like 
You know, Iceman is crazy. I'll let you talk, I promise. Um, Iceman is crazy because there's so many people and you don't know half of them. But when you actually are able to, like, um, uh, catch, you, you know, like, when when you actually, like, recognize people in it and know that you, that they are in your age category and that you're you're competing against them, then it becomes very, very interesting. So, um, I don't know. How'd your, how'd your day go? Let's, let's go back to, um, when we're talking at the, uh, the start line and we see each other on the start line and you had some words of wisdom. Um, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I always joke with some of my buddies that I I have an ability to see the future in totally useless ways. (laughs) And I feel like this story is going to prove that that is right. It doesn't help me at all, but uh, so yeah, I, I rocked up to the start line. What I thought was plenty early, you know, 20 minutes before the wave went off. But as we rolled up, well, it was like the whole wave was there ready to go. You know, it, I think we went off at nine eighteen, and this was before nine. So yeah, wave two. I did it. Yeah. I did the thing everybody hates, which I'm like, well, I'm not going to the back. So like, I kind of like muscled my way in sort <laughs> of to what looked like a decent spot. I didn't even see you. Um, at the time, I just kind of tried to find an opening. And then when I got settled, I looked over and you were standing right there. And I was like, oh, hey, that's going. Um, and I, I I assume you did not have the opportunity to pre-ride, which is why you were asking me about the uh, the finish. The, the finish, yeah. No no opportunity. Um, a lot of that was, well, I mean, all the new single track was new. And then I knew the, the they change up the finish every year. So, yeah, that that was all new to me. Yeah, so you would ask me about my thoughts on the finish. I did have the chance to go pre-ride on Friday night. And unlike last year, where when you were talking about I was coming on after Paige and Carrie, I was like, well, that's really anticlimactic. Much like that, last year, the finish I thought was anticlimactic because we came up icebreaker and there's all that excitement and everybody's cheering. And then they toss you into this bumpy single track that you can barely move on. And then you pop out and you climb, you climb the wood chip and then you kind of finish. That was last year. This year, when you topped out icebreaker, what I was telling you was you want to be in whatever position you want to finish the race in. That's where you should be when you top out icebreaker. Cause you get tossed. Actually, I think what I said was, unless you do something really dumb afterwards, like punch a metal <laughs> barrier, uh, where you're at at the top of icebreaker is going to probably be like where you're going to finish relative to the people around you. Cause once you get to the top, you get tossed into the barriers right away and it's, it's tight and it's twisty and there's really not much of an opportunity to, to pass after that. So it was kind of like empty the tank, you know, going up that hill. Cause that's pretty much going to be the, the end of it. So yeah, that's, I, I share those thoughts with you and, and one other guy there that kind of was battling with us all day on the start line. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the, the race goes and it was pretty fast right away. I thought, I mean, I thought I, I, I knew wave two would be, would be quick. Um, where, uh, how'd you, how'd you feel about the pace at the beginning? Um, I, I feel like maybe you paced yourself a little better than I did. I, I went out pretty hard, but Kind of on accident, actually, we we were together or together ish because, you know, I I had kind of marked you ahead of time because I, I knew you were in my age group and I knew you had podiums last year and you seemed like you were having a good year this year. And I thought, well, that's a guy that I should probably hang on to. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to get on the stage at the end of the day, because that really was the goal. And so we were once we left the airport, we were on that two track that runs north 
for about a mile before you jump into the single track. And uh, there were two lines. They had built up a berm in the middle of that two track. So people couldn't jump left to right. And there were two lines and we were rolling like 30, like you were right. We were hauling. And all of a sudden I was on the left-hand side and somebody, we hit a little bit of sand and somebody locked it up. And so we, I actually came to like a screeching halt. I almost went over the bars, like bailed off into the field to the left. And it felt like the entire wave went by me in like the three seconds that, you know, I was standing still. So I like, I, so if you were ahead of me on the left or on the right, that's where some separation I think occurred. Cause I didn't see you again until at least until we crossed Williamsburg road, maybe. And the first time I, I remember seeing you was on Anita Hill around, what is that? 20 mile 23 or 24. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew for sure it was you. And it made me it made me happy. It also made me very sad because I was happy that I could see you. But I was sad because I knew I, I had a legitimate chance of maybe maybe running you down. And I knew it was really going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know I know that feeling when it's like it's like I could just roll this in. But but now I actually have to work for it because there's uh there's something on the line a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And your, your point's a good one. You know, you do a lot of these races and you get to the end and it kind of seems like, yeah, you just kind of roll into the finish. Like you're not sure if you're fighting for position, yeah. you really have no idea. And so it was kind of neat. Like once we did kind of link up um, with however long it was to go to know, like, we could potentially be battling for the last, you because you don't know, like it could have been the last spot on the stage. Yeah, I, that was. I, I think that was the thing. Is um, it, it could have been you were on you were on the fifth position and I was off the podium, or or vice versa. Um, there was no way to know that. But what we did know is we were both in the same age group. So um, what um, how many ice men or ice mans is this for you? Number three for me. So okay. in three. So twenty one was number one. Um, that was like a wave. I I couldn't even tell you 30, 30 something mm-hmm. start. And then a, last, uh, go ahead. Yeah. That's a good move up. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. What, what was, was it last year? Sorry. Last year was four. Um, so bumped up from, from 38 to four and then, and then eventually up to two this year, uh, which, you know, I was, I was really happy about. And a lot of people, it's funny, you know, everybody is invariably going to bitch about their wave position in their first Iceman. I think rightfully so, because, you know, if you're a good rider who trains a lot, your finish is not going to be commensurate with your ability. Most likely, you know, if you, if you have to pass a thousand people, but I always tell people that day when coming out of wave 38, is maybe the most fun I've ever had on a bike. Cause there's no expectations. You just hammer when you can hammer, you pass a billion people. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. And then, you know, you get the after party at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So I was in wave four last year as well. And even with wave four, I don't, I don't think I, and maybe I know more people now, but like, I just, it was still like, I, I just was racing kind of a bunch of people I didn't recognize. Um, right. This year, because, I mean, it, we knew each other a little bit. We had that conversation. And then there were a couple other people in our wave that um, we were uh, kind of um, jumping each other, like like 
like jumping around each other the whole time. It's like uh, there's like this guy Brandon Bender, the the one of the, mm. the rad dudes, and and he came up uh, by me pre- about midway, and I'm like, man, he's having a great race, and he kind of went by, and I, I jumped on his wheel, and he gave me all this motivation to just like really just just pick it up a little bit, and then um, this dude Nick Beard, who's uh, kind of does some of the real endurance stuff. And I just raced with him the week before at Lowell. Um, he's been having a great year and I saw him like kind of the same time that I saw you, I saw Brandon Bender and Nick Beard. It's like, this is really fun because now these are three dudes that I know that I know are strong and we're just kind of like, I I, I don't know, trading pulls a little bit, but kind of in the same group. And, um, it, it, it was a different type of enjoyable than just passing a bunch of people, you know, Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's funny you mentioned Nick because I I don't I know we've rode. He's from Grand Rapids area. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where exactly. And I know we've ridden some of the spicy group rides around here together in the past. But I I, I couldn't place him. Him and I battled the whole day. I mean, we were back and forth literally every two minutes. All of a sudden, he would come around, and I would go around him. And um, I think he ended up finishing a few seconds ahead. But one of yeah, my buddies, he, lives, he had a strong finish. He did. Yeah. He like he was he was pushing up every hill and, and really push like the group we were in. I think at the end he was, he was really pushing all of us. And, and then right towards the end, I think he kind of got away from us for a few, a few seconds, but yeah, yeah, he was was strong. So he, one of my buddy's wives was at the hill uh, before Williamsburg road, which is a pretty good climb. That's short, but it's punt like all the climbs on Iceman short, but punchy. And she took a video and it's me and this other guy who I turned out to be Nick just like hammering up this climb. It's like a really cool video. And so I, I actually looked his race number up afterwards, found out who he was and sent him the video and just say, hey, good job. Like, here's this awesome video. You know, it was just like, you know, for us hammering up, uh, up, up Williamsburg. Yeah, um, that's cool. But you're right. I, I, I saw Bender as well late, late in the race. Um, my buddy, Travis, who was on the line with us, him, him and I battled all day. It was, it was so cool. Like to be in it, like you said, with, going fast for something meaningful with people, you know, is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but then, uh, it kind of came down to the end that, uh, you know, going back to where, how you can, you know, tell the future. (laughs) Um, so, uh, we get, I mean, I mean, there, there's wood chip and I think, I think you put a little bit of time in me on wood chip and I knew that icebreaker was coming up. And, uh, given your words at the, at the starting line, I knew that I had to potentially pass you or be right next to you on icebreaker. And we got up to icebreaker and you were probably a good, um, I don't know, like, like 10 feet off of me or something. I mean, there was a rider in between us and then a little bit more, um, but I was like, here's, here's my chance. Here's where I empty it. And and my guess is you probably were thinking the same thing, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly when, when I did go around you, if it was on wood chip or if it, there was another little rise between single track after wood chip and then the single track before icebreaker. Okay. But I do remember going around you right before we went into, I, I feel like it was that last single track before you pop out at the base of icebreaker thinking like, I need to put bodies between us. Like I need to take advantage of 
<laughs> hopefully I get around some roadie or something from wave one who can't ride single track and slows Trevor down so I can gap him, you know, going into the base of icebreaker. Cause I, I felt good, but the last, really the last thing I wanted to do was like a heads up sprint, you know, for something maybe meaningful going up icebreaker. <laughs> and so yeah. when we get to the, the bottom of the single track, you kind of do a, I don't know if it's a 180, but I, I glanced back and I saw the two people that I told at the start line <laughs> be in a good position where you want to be at the top of icebreaker. We're like on you and my buddy Travis were both on my ass. And I was like, well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, what, uh, age group was Travis in? Do you know? I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't 40, but he's young. He He's okay. like, he's in a fast age group. Cause I think he was like seventh in his age group. Oof. And he's like in the, he's like 32, 33, maybe, you know, at, si- side note, um, I saw some age groups, like, I want to say like 45 where I don't think you or I would have been on the podium. Like, and that, that's crazy how some of these, you know, like some of the older you get, the faster, you know, some of the, <laughs> some of these times get. I, I hypothesize about the reason for that. I think you, it's the same reason you don't see a lot of guys in their in their twenties. We're talking about amateurs, certainly, but like yeah. you don't see a ton of guys in their twenties because you need a lot of you don't need it. But having a lot of time and you know maybe a little bit of financial security doesn't hurt uh, to be to be good at at this sport. And so I think that's one thing where the as you get older, maybe you get a little bit more time and flexibility in your job if everything works out the way it should, you should have more money. And so, yeah, I think that 40 to I'm looking for, I'm turn, I turned 40 this month. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I move up in age group in most races, you know, <laughs> theoretically I should get faster, <laughs> but like the, the 48 year old age group, they came out with the, the past, past stats today. Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to look at those. And uh, there was a guy in the 48 age group that missed the podium who beat, he beat us by like 40 seconds. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It was like, he, he like won a, an anti-award for missing the podium by the closest yeah. amount or something. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that made me feel really good. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, <laughs> I'm with you though. It's a, it is a luxury, right? Or, yeah. um, like cycling is one of these like sports that it definitely is like a, it's a privileged sport and kind of the, the older you get and the more time you have the more money you have the more you can put into the time and um yeah i totally i totally get that um anyways so uh i definitely was behind you in the single track before icebreaker and that's that super tight twisty uh you know kind of a little annoying but it's fine Um, (laughs) and then we we get onto icebreaker and I know this is my my chance. And again, I'm not sure if we're battling for third and fourth. I'm not sure if we're battling for fifth and sixth. I'm not sure if we're battling for eighth and ninth. Like, who knows what where we are? But what I did know is there were five guys in our age group in wave one. So that right. could have been the, yeah. that could have been the podium there. I, I had no idea. Um, sure. But what I what I did know is I had to. Uh, stick with you and no matter where that that left us like you were my mark and I had to get up to you uh, we're we're going up icebreaker and I kind of felt like I could close the gap um, I thought I had a little bit of a little bit left in the tank like you said you didn't want to 
you wanted to make a little bit of room for that whole finish. You didn't want to maybe cut that last turn going a little too fast and, and <laughs> you know, like so many other right. people did. <laughs> yeah. Some of the other people you interviewed today did. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, but so I, I was thinking, you know, I have a chance to at least get on his wheel, but maybe get around him. And I think you said it was that tra Travis who you had also told about this was more so on your wheel than I was. Yes. And I'm trying to go around him on the left. And I think maybe he's trying to go around you on the left as well. But we both decide to go left. And I get squeezed into the barrier and smash my left hand into the barrier. And um, I'm going to be off the bike for a little bit, actually. Ooh. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's it's totally broken. I didn't realize it at, at the time, but so I I smash into it. It stops me completely. Um, I'm off the bike. I, I Rob got some great pictures of me trying to like remount the bike at the at the time, and so I think that pretty much solidified your fourth place at the time. <laughs> uh, and then in, like I was looking at. Uh, the times within wave two, because there were quite, a, there was a few dudes with us and I kind of rolled in at the end of that group, but we were all within a few seconds, but that definitely uh, dropped me back all the way behind all of them. But uh, it was a little unfortunate, but it, it, it was a stupid mistake, but it is, it is what it is. I just, I was, I was going for the hole that wasn't there basically. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's a, obviously that's a bummer that you're going to be out of commission. Good. I guess it's a good time to be out of commission if there is, if there is such a thing, but, but man, when you, um, when there's a battle for 40 year old podium, mm -hmm. I mean, you, do, you do what you got to do, right? Hell yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot to, to tell, to say this part, but I lost my left contact, uh, like right away. We were that, that, that part where we're going like 30 miles an hour, like in the complete open, like getting out of the airport, all that air was getting to my eyes and I just couldn't see. And we we're probably for like five miles, my vision was so blurry and I really thought I was overreaching. I thought I was just like, what am I doing? I can't hold this the whole time. I can't see anything. You know, I'm, I'm breathing real heavy. And then I started to kind of do the one eye thing and I realized, oh, I, I can't see out of my left eye whatsoever. I have terrible vision. So without that, it was like, so all that new single track, I'm kind of doing the one eye thing, trying to get around it. And, um, I think that at least I'm, I'm blaming that, that because I was trying to go around on the left, my depth perception on that side wasn't the best. And hence I smashed into the, into the, the barrier. <laughs> Yeah, man, you're like Derek Zoolander. You can't go left. Just, just the way it goes. If you can, you can. It's the way it goes. <laughs> Which I, I don't recommend, um, especially this year with all the single track. I do not recommend doing that with one good eye. It was I. I actually thought that any sort of issue would have happened way earlier than it than it did. But uh, um, I waited till the end, to the very end. <laughs> yeah. So you know, going up that hill, it's funny you hear a lot about icebreaker hill at the end, whatever. And I, I remember the, the first time that I went up it, I was pre-writing it and I thought, this is whatever. I'm going to crush this hill tomorrow. 
But then when you get there at the end of the race, like, oh God, just get me to the top of this fucker, you know? It's 100%. I think all of those, I mean, you talk about wood chip, icebreaker, and then there's, there's just like other hills there that they may have names that I'm not, I'm not aware of, but all of those, I mean, you are, I'm not sure if you run with a power meter, but it was like, it was almost like Zwift power where you're just constantly on the power the whole time and your legs are pretty shot. And even though it's, it's a less than two hour effort around a two hour effort, um, it's, it, it's hard. It's definitely one of the harder efforts of the year for, for me. I was intrigued. You were sharing some of your power data at the, um, at the finish. So I, I typically do ride with power meter, but I stripped it off for this race in favor of a, a bigger chain ring that wasn't compatible with that particular power meter just to save a little bit of weight. So I was running without power, which in a mountain bike race, you don't look at during the race anyway, but, but you do nerd out on it, you know, afterwards. And so I was interested to hear what your power numbers were just to get some perspective, you know, on, on how hard maybe the day, only how hard the day was for you. I mean, it doesn't necessarily translate, you know, to me, but it, logic would dictate it probably does a little sure. bit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And you said you were like, your normalized was around 300 or something, if I remember right. It for- was, it, yeah, it was. And and I was actually a little surprised by that given all the single track. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I looked back at last year and there were those, those numbers were pretty spot on together, which is, which is kind of crazy to, th- so that that's telling me that I probably went harder in the non-single track spots this year than I did last year. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a slower result. It was a little longer, much more single track this year, but overall, um, I think it was a pretty comparable effort. Um, you had, I mean, and, and, and I do remember saying this at the end, uh, I'm not sure like breaking my hand or not. I'm not sure I would have gotten around you. I probably would not have gotten around you. Uh, when you went by me toward at the end, I was like, man, uh, Jake's on a, Jake's on a ride today and he's going to, he's, he's flying. And, and I pretty much knew that you were probably going to, going to take it, but, uh, you had a, a great ride and, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you must've been, you must had been kind of working towards Iceman this Iceman this year because it showed you were, you were riding super strong. Yeah. Thanks man. So this, this was the first year where I thought it could all come together at Iceman. The first year you're handicapped because you're in wave 50 or whatever. And then last year, um, the, the big bogey for me was Margie. And that came, you know, in the middle of September, you bounced back for Margie phenomenally. Like you need to stop calling yourself and not a mountain biker. Cause if you, you know, finish that the way you did and then podium at Iceman doing that double is, is really hard. Like I, I was hurt coming off of Margie last year. I took a couple weeks off the fitness just, it was, it wasn't like I wasn't fit, but it just wasn't the pointy end of things, which is not there for me last year. This year, the big race for me was coast to coast, which was in June. And, um, that provided a ton of time between then and Iceman to kind of sharpen up. And you're right. This, this was the goal. Um, the goal was to have a, a good race and, and to get on the stage. And so I was, I couldn't have been more stoked. I was scared to look at my phone at the finish. Luckily I didn't have to, because you like abracadabra yours out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, we're in fourth and fifth now. <laughs> you know, I hope it sticks. And it turns out that it did, but I didn't look at it again until 
you know, after I, I dropped my bike, dropped, got my bag, took a shower, grabbed a beer. And then I felt comfortable kind of taking a look at the results and saw that, yeah, it held up. So I was, I was beyond, we joke about it. Like, yeah, it's the, the 40 year old podium, you know, race for fourth and fifth. But I mean, it's, it's super cool to, to be on the stage like that at a race like that with Heck guys yeah. that are super fast. Like I was so stoked. Heck yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's nothing better than Iceman. I mean, it's just the, the coolest vibe, the coolest race, coolest experience. And then to be able to get on that stage and, uh, just, just be up there. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, um, yeah, you had a, you had a little bit of a buffer, uh, between like, say some guys came a little, like a little faster towards the later waves. Like, the first one that was going to be kicked off that podium was me this year. So. Right. <laughs> so, so hence why I was like looking at it right away. I looked at it about every 30 seconds after that until I was on the podium. So <laughs> they can't kick me off now. I'm on here. <laughs> right. uh, finally, um, I, I do want to uh, – <laughs> last year when I was on the podium, um, it was a kind of a, a – just by happenstance, when I got onto the podium, my buddy Scott was coming up with a beer, and th- and this we we didn't plan it. He just like he got me a beer at the beer tent, and then all of a sudden I was up on the podium. So he just handed it to me while I was up there, and there were some uh, encouraging ladies up front that were yelling "chug" while I was up there last year, and so I thought like. I got to chug, right? I got to chug this beer. So I chugged the beer. It was probably one of my favorite moments of my life. <laughs> and, uh, and then we were talking beforehand. I was like, Jake, man, we got to both chug this beer, right? Like, like we got to chug beers on the podium. That's why we're up there. We got to chug these beers. And then the more I started to think about it, I was like, we can't leave everyone out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the, the, the podium started, they were at like men 28 to 29. I'm like, we got a ton of time. We don't have to worry about it. Then all of a sudden they were at like men 35 and I was like, Oh crap, we don't have enough time to get beers. And I, again, I asked my buddy Scott, I was like, Hey, go get some beers, go get some beers. Uh, we need five of them, get five beers. (laughs) And it got to a moment and we were like standing right before we went up on the podium. And I was like, Jake, it's not happening, man. We're not, uh, we're not getting beers. There's, there's no way. Uh, they call our names up. We go up, no beers. And then through the crowd in the distance, I see Scott Richard with three beers in his hand. He's like, out of my way, out of my way. And, uh, (laughs) and he, he makes it, he parts the crowds like Moses and, (laughs) and hands us these beers. (laughs) And, um, <laughs> and, uh, right at the end, we were able to hand all these beers off and a few of us chugged them. We all had a big drink. I mean, it was definitely podium beers shared by all of these, uh, 40 year olds, on the t- <laughs> but it still was one of the greatest moments ever. <laughs> oh, it, it was phenomenal. So I, I have a, a couple of funny takes on this. So we, I, we were in line to get our medals before we, we hopped on the podium and you, that's when you had kind of suggested like. Hey, you know, and I knew, I knew you had done that last year and I, I kind of thought this might be coming. So I was, <laughs> I was prepared okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, yeah, you know, we, I feel like, you know, we need to keep the tr- tradition going. So 
was like, yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. Like I'm in for <laughs> sure. So, and, uh, but my, my recollection is Scott walked up around that same time and like kind of caught wind about what we were talking about. And like, he got, he got a little salty about the whole, like in good, you know, it's all in good fun, but a little salty about the whole thing. Cause I think he, he referred to himself as your sag bitch. Because, <laughs> I think he, ref, he referred to himself, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, because he knew like who was going to be in charge of the logistics. Yeah, he's like, God for, damn it, this is this is going to be my job, isn't it? <laughs> for procurement and delivery of of the podium beers, and uh, and you're right, it was like all of a sudden like an executive decision got made that we were like, yeah, we can't we can't leave anybody out. We need to at least give these other guys the opportunity to participate in in this endeavor. So. So we're like, well, Scott, the good news is you don't have to get two beers for the podium. The bad news is we need five beers for the podium. <laughs> and I do want, uh, he had to uh, enlist another friend of ours, Jason, to like Scott could hold three and then Jason brought the two a little later. <laughs> but you're right. So we were, you know, we're standing there stage right and they're rifling through these podiums. And we're kind of thinking like as fast as they're going, as long as those beer lines are, because we both experienced those lines multiple times at this point throughout the day. And as big as the crowd is, there's no way, like there's no way they're going to gather up five beers and get them to us on time. And all you're right. I didn't see, like they called us up, we got up there, whatever. And then all of a sudden it was like, he, he like Scott, like apparated. He was like Lord <laughs> Voldemort. All of a sudden, like, bam, he was right there center stage five beers and like almost every podium picture I have, you're not paying attention in any of them. You're either getting the beers, handing the beers out or chugging the beers, but there is no like classic podium Trevor with his arms up, you know, everybody else is paying attention. And you're, you, you, you sent me, <laughs> me this picture. That's my favorite. My absolute favorite is all four of you are classic podium, like doing your classic podiums thing. And I'm crouched down picking up the beers. And I'm like, that is that is like the story of of my weekend. It's like people taking it seriously and then me going the extra mile to make sure we grab all these beers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it worked. I actually think um, they tried to start the next podium but they had to stop because we were up there too long. 100%. At one point, like they, they were, they were like announcing like men's 41. We're like, no, 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 we're not done yet. <laughs> oh man. It's a, it's a, a podium to remember. And now it's like, man, we gotta, we gotta keep this up, do it next year. You think, uh, what do you think about wave two? Do you think, you think we're going to get in wave one next year? I mean, I, I think you probably have a, a better claim for it than I do because your Iceman last year was a few minutes faster than than mine. I don't know what you did two years ago, but but I think you know I looked at the the passicity stats. I've never been more unproductive at work than the week after Ice. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. It's the universal truth. Like <laughs> I'm not doing shit now. The fact that I work for myself now and have for the last couple of years that helps because I'm just hurting myself. Um, but I was looking at it and we were like. I think I was 11th out of wave two and you were yep, 15th. Some third, 15th. Okay. Yep, yep. And if you look at where we would have finished <clears throat> just time wise in, in wave one, it would have been in, I think the fifties, something like that. So That's pretty good. I, I think, you know, 
everybody has their take on what, where you belong and what you deserve. And so do we belong up there? Candidly, I think so. You know, do the powers that be, are they going to determine that we deserve it? Who knows? But I, I think that's the goal, right? Is, is get up there and then you have no excuses. Cause the other, the three guys that were ahead of us on the podium were all out of wave, wave one. one. They were. Yep. And I do think the two first place was way ahead. I, I don't think, I'm riding with that guy, not this year. Yeah, they, but were, second, they were strong, yeah. Second and third were yeah. only about a minute up. I mean, yeah. who knows? Like, you know, maybe, maybe not. So, you know, that's the that's the goal. Yeah, I, I think I... I think I, I, I... Of course I wanted to be Wave 1 this year, but I think I was where I should have been. I definitely think uh, Wave 2 was was challenging enough. I don't think I really was held up in any certain point. Um, so yeah, wave, t- wave two actually, I think was a good spot for me this year. I wave one comes with it. An even other set of like, uh, anxieties and, uh, challenges and what, I mean, everyone's there to, to go as fast as they can. And I mean, everyone, in, it, it just at a different level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to be there. I, I'd be okay with wave two again, maybe, probably. I think I think the only thing that kept me from going faster this year was myself. It wasn't that I wasn't in wave one. So I think there's even like more to grow within wave two if if necessary. But um Yeah, so let, let me ask you a question, I guess, being the the flip the script here. Is is the goal to win it next year? Oh boy. Um I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Your 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 Margie take was an interesting one because I've felt that this year with um, my my biggest goal, and I'm sure it was yours last year, was to finish Margie. Right. Um, and and while I don't think it really took a huge physical tax on me, I mean, it definitely did. But it like I wasn't injured. Um, I felt pretty pretty good after like recovering from it. It was more of like a, it was really hard to get motivated to do other things because it's like, okay, it's September, but I already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish for the year. And now the rest is just kind of cherry on top or whatever. But back last year, um, I think I, like you were saying this year, like I really trained all the way up to Iceman and, and circled Iceman and wanted to be strong during Iceman. Um, so I think that was my, that was difficult for this year to try to like really get motivated and work hard. And I actually, I surprised myself a little bit this year. I thought I'd be a little slower than I was for Iceman, but saying that and going back to your question, um, that I, I love Margie. I may do Margie again. I may do probably a, maybe a longer Margie. I don't know, but that's not going to be my main goal. My main goal next year is to get fast again and and maybe like earlier in the season do like just some of those faster gravel races hang with some of those faster gravel dudes again and then uh and then now with some a little bit more mountain bike tech technique and and experience try to rip Iceman for sure (laughs) there you go another showdown breaker coming up (laughs) (laughs) um cool man well uh thanks for making my Iceman more fun this year 
Likewise, dude, it was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. I, I've been listening for I don't know how long. I've been listening, though. So it's cool to be on on the pod yeah, alongside Paige Onweller and Carrie Warner. Uh, hey, real quick, tell me the story about Beer Laps Racing giving your jersey to Kiel Reinen at, at Leadville. Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> All right. So yeah, my little racing team is, uh, the beer laps racing team. And, uh, we were out at, uh, my buddy, Eric and I were out in Leadville this year for the, for the big race, our, our buddy Casey. So Casey's my college roommate, him, him and I did the stage race two years ago out of Leadville and he won our age group. So he got the automatic ticket into Leadville for this year. And so we were out there to support him. And we had our, our beer laps racing team jerseys on, which are, they, they kind of stick out. Like, I think they're cool. Other people might not. I think they're awesome, but whatever. Um, and so they're noticeable. I mean, they're definitely, <laughs> they, they stand out for sure. <laughs> so we were on, after we got done sagging and if you know anything about Leadville, like after, after the riders come back through twin lakes, your job as a spectator is more or a sag supporters more or less over. And so we drove to the base of the power line climb and and hiked up to the to the steepest part of power line now power lines kind of it's kind of strange because most climbs the steepest part is at the top whereas power line the steepest parts are at the bottom and so it's pretty easy to get to the steep parts where people are going to be really like giving it and like you know struggling so eric and i walked up there with our beer lap jerseys on casey came through actually him and Paige were together or within a couple seconds of each other when they they came through so we cheered him on and then we were walking back to the car and there was a guy coming towards us and he's, you know, he's climbing. So he's going kind of slow. We're walking. So we're going slow. He's kind of looking at us. And, uh, he was like, you know, fucking love those jerseys or whatever he said. He's like, those jerseys. Are awesome. And, uh, we were like, thanks, man. We were like, love your hair. Cause the dude had like this flowing mane, like just these beautiful locks of, of hair and he and he said well with our powers combined maybe we can be something someday or something like that so he he wrote off i have no clue who this guy is but my buddy eric has like if there were trading cards for the lifetime grand prix athletes like he would have the set at home so <laughs> he's like you know who that was like, no and so he told me and i was like oh that, that's cool that's awesome whatever and uh it was keel ryan i don't know if i'm butchering his name but i think that's right oh, yeah yeah and uh so we got back from from Colorado and I was putting in an order for gear for the beer lap team for for next year. And I thought, I'm going to order this guy a jersey and just send it to him. And if he likes it, awesome. And if he doesn't, I'm out 60 bucks, but it's a cool story. So whatever. <laughs> and uh, so I got one to him and I shipped it to uh, to Paige down at her her house in Bentonville uh, in advance of Big Sugar. But I either didn't get it there on time or she didn't check the mail. I'm not sure what happened, but she didn't get it to him at, at Big Sugar. And so I was like, kind of, I was like, well, whatever that happens. Cause I had written him a note that said like, Kyle, enjoy the Jersey, come race Iceman. Not knowing that he was going to come race Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find out like, well, he didn't get it, but he's coming back to Michigan. He's going to race Iceman. And uh, so Paige gave it to him. I think they were at the Grand Traverse Resort for the expo and she yeah. uh she videotaped it and, and put it on her instagram he seemed to like it if he if he didn't like it he's a pretty good faker uh <laughs> riley riley amos was about it uh, he apparently wants one so 
<laughs> his request is being considered by the uh, administration at the moment. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, and I do, if he's listening, uh, uh, yeah, Kiel, I hope you enjoy the jersey. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and on the back of the jersey, what's your uh, slogan? Uh, it's win or lose, we still booze. And no, truer words have never been spoken. Like at the end of the day, it's, yeah, that's a certainty in life. Dad taxes and the beer lab team having a few beers after the race. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. Got to keep it fun. And uh, Iceman is all about fun. Riding bikes is all about fun. Uh, this is awesome. Thanks for making, again, thanks for making my Iceman more fun. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have some more epic battles in the future. No doubt, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Till next time. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen audio editing, and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. Thank you to Paige Onweller, Carrie Werner, and Jake Lombardo for joining me on this episode and everyone that um, came together to put on Iceman this year. Long live Iceman. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack.